I have been privileged to, speech, to speak, uh, and it is an honor to stand here. Uh, everyone should take an opportunity at some point, especially on a sunny day, it's not so much today, to wander across up here and look that way because these windows are just so spectacular on a sunny day, and it's a whole different look from up here. Let me tell you, it really is. But I've been privileged to speak, and the last several times I have concentrated on the difference between our position as members of the church, which is his body, and I've contrasted that with the position of people who lived under a covenant relationship with God when God was dealing with mankind through Israel. And there were several different aspects of that relationship that we have explored. The last one, we talked about remission of sins. And we looked at Acts chapter 3, when Peter, a spokesman for the gospel of the circumcision, speaking to Israel, who was under a covenant relationship with God, and he declared to them in Acts chapter 3 that they should repent, turn from this sin. They killed, they killed their Messiah. This Jesus of Nazareth, they, he was their Messiah, and they killed him. And Peter instructed them, repent and be converted. Come back into this covenant relationship with God and your sins will be remitted at some future point. He says their sins will be remitted from the presence of the Lord when he would come back and sets up his kingdom, we understand. That's different than our remission of sins, is it not? We are declared righteous through the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Peter was speaking after the cross to Israel. They were still in this covenant relationship with God. And the title of, of uh, this study, I titled it, Sinner, Our New Creature. My position, my point I will hope to make today is there are so many, and this maybe will answer a question from downstairs a little better this morning, there are so many who want to place themselves, even after they believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for their sins, and he was buried, and he rose again, even after they believe that, they still want to place themselves in the position of a sinner rather than our real position, our real identity as a new creature. So that's where we're going to go today. Let's pray. Thank you, dear Lord and Heavenly Father, for your matchless grace, for your mercy to us, for this tremendous gift of life that you have given us, this promise of eternal life, but our present identity in you, in Christ when we simply believe. Help us to understand who you see us as. Help us to be those people
to understand our identity. We pray that you will guide and direct us as we uh, work through some scriptures and look what you have to say about us. In Jesus' holy and precious name we pray, amen. So, we're going to start by moving this cord out of my way. We're going to start with uh, identifying a principle. And this principle I'd like to talk about is God decides who people are in his word. Now, Tammy's looking at me like, what are you talking about? God gives things and people names in his word according to his plan. Okay? Let's go to Genesis chapter 17. Genesis chapter 17. We're going to start at verse 9. We're going to read 9 and 10. And God said unto Abraham, Thou shalt keep my covenant, therefore, thou and thy seed after thee in their generations. This is my covenant, which ye shall keep between me and you, and thy seed after thee. Every man child among you shall be circumcised. Before, these, before this point, what was Abraham's name according to God? Abram. God changed the name in his word from Abram to Abraham. Is there a reason? Oh, there could be. There could be. He, he instituted this covenant of circumcision with Abram and changed his name to Abraham. That is so huge. Here was now someone in a covenant relationship with God. If you do this, I will do that. That's what the covenant is all about. When God changed the name, it was very important. We can do really well by noticing what God's perspective is, and he makes it well known in his word. It is there for us to study and to understand. Another example, Genesis 32, verses 27 and 28. Here we have Jacob wrestling with the messenger of God. The messenger says, And he said unto him, What is thy name? And he said, Jacob. And he said, Thy name shall be called no more Jacob, but Israel. For as a prince hast thou power with God and with men, and hast prevailed. Israel, could, it kind of means God commands. Here we have another instance where from God's perspective, this person's name has changed. He changed his name from Jacob to Israel. Have we ever heard of the children of Israel. Another step in this very special relationship. God is dealing with mankind through this particular people 
And now the name is going to be called Israel. God commands. They are, have a responsibility to do what God commands. To do what God commands. The name is changed. From God's perspective, it's very important. Very important. As we move on through time from this point, we, we're going to see Moses. And Moses is raised up. And we end up with the Mosaic Law. Now there's all kinds of more rules, aren't there? We had this, this, this uh, covenant of circumcision to identify a, a, a picture of taking sin away and being in a relationship with Almighty God in this covenant relationship. Now we have, we're going to have Moses giving out the Mosaic Law with all kinds of rules. And what did the children of Israel say to God when he said, I'm going to give you a bunch of rules. What did they say? We will do that. That's a great idea. We will willingly enter into this covenant relationship with you, Almighty God. They made a commitment. Of course, they didn't keep their commitment very well. Then they, they had part of the, the law was the, the priestly tribe and the duties of the priests to be in between Almighty God and man. And part of, their, part of their duties, part of their preparation to be priests was, of course, this ceremonial cleansing. As we see John the baptizer later on, he says, Behold, the Lamb of the world, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, and he baptized him. He washed him. There was a ceremonial cleansing, all part of this covenant relationship with God. If you do this, I will do that. If you do this ceremonial cleansing, it qualifies you to be my nation of priests to go out into all the world and to represent me to them. A covenant relationship part of that covenant relationship was of course these sacrifices we talked downstairs this morning a little bit about the difference between uh, the relate the the, uh, the sin under the covenant they constantly 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 had to do sacrifices. Their sin was constantly reminded to them all the time. If I do this, I have to do that. If I, I have to go do this sacrifice. I have to find, I have to have this sacrifice to cover my sin, to appease this almighty God. He told me I had to do that. If they believed God, they had to do that. They were in a covenant relationship. It was a contract. If they broke the contract, it's all out. What happened to them if they didn't, if they were not circumcised? They were cut off. We used uh, several times ago, we talked about in uh, uh, Ananias and Sapphira when they lied to God, right? They were supposed to bring their stuff. 
or they were bringing their stuff and selling it, and they lied and said they did, and they really didn't. They did not conform to the covenant relationship with God. They lied to God. What happened to them? They were like cut off like big time. They weren't just put out of the city to fend for themselves. They, they were carried out and buried. That was a covenant relationship with Almighty God. So they were constantly, constantly reminded of their sin. What, the, what could there be, what could their identity be? What would be a common thing to call them? They were sinners, weren't they? Were they not? Their sin was constantly in front of them, all the time. In, in Hebrews, we read about that. That there's the priests were constantly having to make the sacrifices for sin. Sin overwhelmed them. Sin owned them. They were sinners. Another example of God's perspective of a name change. Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. Verse 9. Here we have Barnabas and Saul have been sent out from Antioch. And they are ministering. Then it says in verse 9. Excuse me. And then Saul, who is also called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him. Here we have an instance where from God's perspective... This person's name is changed. He's Saul. All through here, he's Saul. Saul. Here we have God changing his name. Is that important? Seems to be. We have a principle here. God's perspective of who we are is all important. We can can make up who we think we are. Right? Who does God think we are? That's who we really, really are. What God decides who we are. In this, in this day of age of so much social media, it's really easy to see it. It's been going on for a lot longer than that, of people projecting something that they really aren't. Our identity, who we really, really are, is who God sees us. And there's only two kinds in this day of grace. There are people who are sinners, lost, apart from God. And there are those of us who trust, have faith, believe in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, it's, we often say... I'm just a sinner saved by grace, right? If I go about seeing myself as a sinner, do I still, do do I do God the credit? Do I glorify God? What does he say I am? Does he say I'm a sinner? You know, I've done a search. It's not exhaustive. And I challenge you 
to find somewhere where God calls members of the church, which is his body, sinners. If I recognize who I am according to God, I am empowered to do far greater than if I identify myself. I'm just a sinner. You know, I really, I can't help but doing this because I'm a sinner. I am not, in God's eyes, a sinner once he has indwelt me with his Holy Spirit and made me a new creature. Right? I want to I invite you to see these as opposing things. A sinner and a new creature. I don't think God intended for us to identify ourselves as sinners. Let's go to Galatians chapter 2. As we look here, I think we find an answer to a question that we had downstairs. Galatians chapter 2, and we're going to look at verse 16, 17, and 18. The question that we had downstairs was, what do you think people are thinking when they think that they can lose their salvation? That once they have believed, they could then be lost. And my answer right at the first was, it's a failure to rightly divide the word of truth, which I think that is the that's the foundation, the bottom line, because it is different. Under this covenant program, people were not, in my opinion, eternally saved. I mean, in Acts 3, what does Peter say? Your sins will be remitted at the coming, at the uh, times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. Their sins, ye men of Israel, Their sins were to be remitted at the times of refreshing from the coming of the Lord. That's different than us. We are a new creature in Christ. We are declared righteous before God in Christ. Not because our behavior is perfect. There's a a different kind of theology maybe called holiness or something, where they say no matter what I do, it's not a sin because I am saved by God. That is something that I don't think is correct. I'm not saying that at all. I'm not saying that as a new creature, I have been removed from the ability to make bad decisions and to sin. That is the fact. We have been left here. God did not choose to make us a puppet on a string and say, you will never sin again. I will move you around. That's not our experience. That's not our state. We are in this world to proclaim the truth, 
but we're still in this flesh. And this flesh has the problem that Adam brought into this world back in the Garden of Eden. This, this sin problem. Adam said, I'm going to decide what's right. This tree of the knowledge of good and evil that he was to not partake of. He decided he would partake of it. So did he know what was wrong? Did God tell him, don't do it? Did he know that was wrong? Did he know that that was wrong? Yeah. He decided he was going to be the decider. He, he put his decider into gear and said, God, I got this. I'm going to make the decision. And that sin entered the world and death by sin, the death, the spiritual death, God and man, they were separate now. But the Lord Jesus Christ, of course, took that sin out of the way. But that decider <laughs> that Adam energized and put in gear, we still got it, don't we? God did not choose to take that decider out of us. We can decide. God instructs us, put on the new man. Right? We can, and we can do that through the Holy Spirit inside of us when we believe. So Galatians chapter 2. So my answer was a failure to, that was the question, right? The, my answer was, why do people think they could lose their salvation? And I answered, said, because they, they fail to rightly divide the word of truth. They don't see that there's this different program under this covenant relationship with God and this program we are so blessed to live in under grace where the Lord Jesus Christ has done all the work and made our position before God as righteous And they fail to see that difference. And they want to mix things up together. And here was a problem that was ex in existence when Paul was still ministering on this earth. That's why we're in Galatians. The big subject of Galatians. People trying to put themselves back under this covenant relationship with God. Oh, I feel so much better when I'm doing something, right? Oh, yeah. What are they doing? They're identifying themselves as what? As sinners. They're, 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 they're ignoring their real identity as a new creature. Galatians 2.16. Knowing, I think that's what I wrote, yeah. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of of Jesus Christ, even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law, so no flesh be justified. Now, there's some very important words in there. There's one phrase where it says that we have believed in 
Jesus Christ. The other words about faith are followed by of Jesus Christ. How important is it that Jesus Christ performed <coughs> the work? Jesus Christ was faithful to what he was assigned to do. All the way back in Genesis, we will send a seed, right? Here's the seed. This Jesus, he's the seed that is going to fight, that's going to come against Satan, that's going to solve this problem of sin and make us justified again. So it's the faith of Christ, and we believe in him. Who did the real work? He did. Oh, what kind of faith did that take? Man, to, to be the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. To take my sin. All the sin. You know, it says that all creation groans waiting for him. I think that is very, this is kind of like a side note, that is very uh, important to see that my sin, Jesus took the penalty for it. Well, what, what about the curse of all creation? Why, why is there disease? Because of original sin. Why are there weeds? <sighs> Darn that Adam. Why are there weeds? All creation will be made new again based on Jesus Christ. The faith of Jesus Christ. It couldn't be possible. Not, you know, our, all of our sin and even, you know, that really bad guy that you really, really, really don't like? Jesus Christ took care of his sin too. When he believes on that. And that's what this verse says. The faith of Christ, he was faithful to his duty. He was faithful to what needed to be done. The only sacrifice possible to take care of sin was the Lord Jesus Christ. The only way Almighty God would forgive sin was because of it being on the Lord Jesus Christ. So by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Is that different than what it used to be? Remember, it was probably the first one of this start of a series when we talked about the father and mother of John the baptizer. Let's go to Luke chapter 1. This one's a surprise. Luke chapter 1. Let's just jump in at 6. We're talking about the parents of John the baptizer. He was a priest. Verse 6 is describing them. And it says they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinance of the Lord, blameless. Is that God's word? 
Were these people justified under the law? What do we read in Galatians? It says, For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. That's back in Galatians 2.16. How do we how do we make those go together? Can we mix them up, put them in a blender? We must rightly divide the word of truth. It's two different programs. They were living under a covenant relationship with God. They believed God. God said, you do these things, I will declare you righteous under the law. But what did they have to keep doing? They had to keep doing these things because the sin was never taken away. It was just covered by this covenant relationship under the law. But now we live, and that's what Paul's talking about here. And he's, he's encouraging these people. He's condemning them for trying to go back. Don't go back. <clears throat> Don't go back. Verse 17. But if, while we seek to be justified by Christ, ah, if we seek to be declared righteous because of the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ, we just saw in the verse 16, the faith of Jesus Christ, and we believe in him, and we declared righteous. If, verse 17, while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves are also found sinners. What? How did we get there? How did we get there? Is therefore Christ the minister of sin? God forbid. If we are in this position of being redeemed by Christ, by faith in his finished work, but we're found to be sinners, can we blame God? Can we blame Christ and say, oh, you didn't do it good enough? That's what, that's what this leads to. You go back under this covenant relationship and try to do stuff, you are declaring yourself to be a sinner. And then you can't blame Christ because he did all the work already. And verse 18 gives us the answer. For if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. If I put myself back under this covenant relationship, what was Paul's preaching? There's no longer, no longer under the law. Acts, six, Acts 13. Sorry, I'm thinking on the run here. Acts 13. We're going to end up uh, in about... Sorry. Oh, yeah, it is 38. Uh, that was in my brain, but it wasn't coming out. Acts 13, 38. 
Paul declares if he goes back and builds what he destroyed, he would make himself a transgressor. That's verse 18 of Galatians 2. Acts 13, 38. Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man, that he's speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins. And by him, all that believe are justified from all things from which ye could not be justified by the law of Moses. That's like a huge change, is it not? We just read in Luke that John the baptizer's parents were declared righteous under the law because of what they were doing. Here we have a huge change. Now, all them that believe are justified from all things from which ye could not be justified by the law of Moses. Paul says back in Galatians chapter 2, 18, For if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. You put yourself back under the law. You attempt to get righteousness according to a, a covenant relationship with God. You're making yourself a transgressor. You are declaring yourself a sinner. God didn't do it. God does not call us as members of the church, which is his body, sinners. That's not who we are. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. When we attempt to have righteousness according to the law, when we attempt to put ourselves back under that covenant relationship with God, we call ourselves sinners. God calls us a new creature. Who's us? God calls us a new creature. Us is those who have put their faith, their trust, they believe. Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He died on the cross and took all the sin. He was buried taking the sin away. But God raised him. He rose again in power. By that resurrection, we are justified. When we believe on that, now we're the us. We are new creatures. God invites you to consider yourself to be that way. Romans chapter 6. You thought I was winding up, didn't you? We looked at a lot of this downstairs. We are having a really good time looking at Ephesians. It's not too late to join us on Sunday morning in Sunday school class at 
when do we start? 9.30? Come on in. We've got plenty of room. We've got coffee and donuts. And we're looking at Ephesians. It'll take us about, I don't know, a while to get through it. Romans chapter 6. Verse 11. No. Sorry, Tim. Let's start at 8. Romans 6, 8. We're talking about our identity with Christ. And previous to this, he proves that we are identified with Christ in his death. Now, if ye be dead with Christ, ye believe that ye also shall live with him. We have identity both with his death and his resurrection, knowing that Christ, <coughs> being raised from the dead, dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. Why did Christ die? Why was it possible for Jesus Christ to die? Because there was sin placed upon him. He had done no sin. It was our sin placed on him. Being raised from the dead dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. He is raised without sin having dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Our identification is in Christ. We are seated in the heavenlies in Christ. He liveth unto God. We liveth unto God. And verse 11 is God's invitation to us. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. God invites you to see yourself, recognize your real identity as being dead to sin. Sin does not have dominion over you not only in our relationship to God, but in our daily lives. We can live unto God through Jesus Christ. It is possible through him. It is not possible through trying to keep the law, trying to enter back into this covenant relationship with God. We are blessed to be in a relationship under grace. All the work done by Jesus Christ, satisfying Almighty God for our sins. Sin does not have dominion over us. We are a new creature. We are not sinners. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, dear Lord and Heavenly Father, for your matchless grace, for your mercy to us, for this absolute true identity. It's not some mystical thing it is reality it is literal we are seated in the heavenlies with all spiritual blessings in christ we have the indwelling holy spirit emboldening us empowering us to live a life not under the dominion of sin and we praise your name for that we we uh, lift you up in glory and empower and thank you for your matchless grace.
Pray that you will guide and direct us as we go through our lives. Help us to be bold to tell the truth of who you really are and who you say that we really are. In Jesus' name, amen.